thank you guys. There's a lot of work that goes into that and preparing a song to sing. It speaks of the time when Jesus will come back and we will enter into eternity. And there will be no need of the sun there in heaven. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrows, but no need of the, of the sun. For the Lord God himself will be the light thereof. That's God's wonderful promise uh, that uh, we have. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And uh, that precious, uh, that light of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter number 25. If you have your place, would you stand with me if you're able this morning? Matthew chapter 25, we're going to delve into another of the important parables. We're, we're going to be dealing with um, some parables of the, of the coming kingdom and uh, parables concerning the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to begin here at verse number 1, uh, Matthew chapter 25. And if you'll follow me as we read <clears throat> through the first portion of this chapter. Then shall the kingdom of heaven... Being be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry. And uh, we're speaking here this morning about this midnight cry. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be none enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And with that thought, I, I want us this morning to go to the Lord in prayer. And let's take some time here this morning. Uh, to prepare our hearts, we certainly today need to hear from the Lord. And I believe this message is such a needed message for our day and time. Father, thank you. Already you've been good to us. It's just been good to be in church. We've had a great Sunday school time. Had a wonderful time here singing uh, these songs and being reminded of you. And Lord, thank you for this this wonderful promise that uh, you're going to be the light of heaven. There'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. And Lord, here as we read about your coming for your children, uh, Lord, we long to see you. Uh, we want you. Lord, we need you. And uh, you have told us that we are to pray, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And I pray that might be our heart and our desire this morning would be for your return. It sure seems that Peter and Paul and the apostles, they longed to see you. And Lord, help us to have that same desire, that same longing in our heart. And Lord, we praise you, thank you, and love you. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. And you may be seated here this morning. And we uh, are, are today delving into what is often referred to as the parable of the ten virgins. And it's one of the many parables in the Bibles that deals with the coming of the king. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew in particular is about the king 
of the Jews, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have here the coming of the king. This is one of the kingdom parables, and you'll notice in verse number one, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. And I believe here the Bible is giving us the details as to what it's going to be like when the king returns. So in this particular parable, we have the bridegroom, and uh, this is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, in the parable, it's the picture of a Jewish wedding. And a Jewish wedding would be a little bit different than we are accustomed to here in the United States. Uh, in a Jewish wedding, a, a man would uh, be betrothed to, to a wife, and uh, he would gain permission from her uh, parents or her father, and he would pay the dowry for her father, and he would secure uh, this bride. Then he would go back to his father's house, and in his father's house and land, he would prepare a home. Uh, for his uh, future bride. He's betrothed to this bride. And, and then at the right time, when all was complete, when the place was prepared, he would go to retrieve this bride uh, that he's purchased. And when all was ready, returns. Nobody would know when that hour would be. Uh, they would not know even the time of the day in which the bridegroom would come for the bride. And so the, the warning was this, that the bride was to be ready at all times for the coming uh, prince, for the coming bridegroom. Uh, in verse number 6, there's the statement, At the midnight hour, or at the midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And so, sure enough, to his word, the bridegroom came, the cry went forth, the bridegroom has come. And I believe here in our account, the ten virgins represent professing Christendom. We have here in verse number 1 again, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. You notice in this account that all ten of these virgins had the lamps. They all professed the Lord Jesus Christ. They all professed faith in Christ. Now before we delve into this parable this morning, I want to make a few preliminary statements, just lay the groundwork for, for the message this morning. Uh, the first statement that we'll make is, is this very simple fact, Jesus is coming again. Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 25 are interconnected. You go back to chapter 24 and verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And uh, Jesus spoke that the, uh, that the temple would be uh, thrown down or cast down. When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And so here uh, Jesus uh, is answering their questions that they have privately asked of the Lord. And this answer is going all the way through Matthew chapter 25. It's interconnected with chapter 24. Now we are taught throughout the New Testament that Jesus is coming again. Jesus will return. Certain as I stand in this pulpit this morning, Jesus is coming back. Jesus said the night uh, of his betrayal, the night before the crucifixion, he said to his disciples, I'm going away. They were very troubled, and then Jesus spoke, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Now, throughout the New Testament, we see this so much in the letters of Paul, the apostle. We're told that Jesus is coming back again. And many, in fact, every book that Paul wrote speaks in some way of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in some cases, every single chapter of the book spoke of the return of Jesus Christ. Revelation 22, the very last book of the Bible, three times Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. And then the book of Revelation concludes with this thought, Even so, come, Lord Jesus, amen. So Jesus is coming again. That's a preliminary statement that I make as we delve into this parable. A second thought before we, we get into the parable is that his coming will be in two phases. Okay, that's dealt with in Matthew chapter 24. The very first phase has to do with the rapture. This is when Jesus comes for his saints. It's going to be a secret. It'll be at the midnight hour. It's described for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse number 13, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, uh, the Bible then speaks, if we believe that, uh, that Jesus Christ then, he says he's going to come, and uh, first the dead in Christ will rise. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So this is the coming of Jesus Christ for his saints. I believe that's what we are dealing with in Matthew chapter 25 in this first parable. It's this first phase of the return of Jesus Christ. Now the second phase is after the tribulation. In the second phase, he comes from heaven with his saints, not for his saints. And the Bible describes this second phase at the end of the tribulation that every eye shall see him. In Revelation 1 verse 7, Behold, he cometh the clouds, every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him, uh, and, uh, uh, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Now we don't know when the rapture will take place. It's a surprise. It's a secret. It's imminent. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. In Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus spoke of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. He's simply saying that life will go on as normal. In Noah's day, uh, they were going about the normal affairs of life. Now Noah had been preaching. He had been warning for 120 years. He had been speaking to his generation that they should repent, that they should prepare. And the ark is a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Noah warned his generation that they should come into the ark. They should be prepared for judgment was coming, but life would go on as normal. 
In verse 39, they knew not until the flood came, took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. And so this would be a surprise. And it's evident that those that would be saved when that rapture takes place would be taken. The others would be left behind. So we don't know when this rapture will take place, morning, noon, night, the midnight hour. Uh, here it's midnight, it will be midday uh, back in the east. Uh, we don't know what day of the week it will take place. We don't know the month or the year in which this rapture will take place. Uh, we find here that uh, I believe it's foolish to predict a date uh, that the Father has reserved for himself. The Bible teaches that it's imminent. That means it can happen at any moment. And because of this, then we are told to watch and to be always ready. Matthew 24, verse 42 reads, Watch ye therefore, or watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known at what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. That's a simple thought. If you knew that somebody was going to rob your house and you knew when they would come to rob the house, you wouldn't let them rob the house. But you don't know. And so the coming of the Lord is going to be like that thief in the night when you least expect it. He says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. There will be a great reward for those that are prepared and ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is a constant message for God's children. We are to watch. Now before I delve into Matthew 25... Keep your place. I want you to go forward to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Because I, I think it lays some groundwork for us here in Matthew 25. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that we quoted a part of a moment ago speaks of the rapture. Uh, this secret return of the Lord for His children. And then we delve into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 1. And it says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman and child, and they shall not escape. You see, when Jesus comes, the rapture takes place, the world is going to enter into tribulation. The world will be speaking of peace and safety. There will be the rise of a false Christ, an antichrist. And as the world seeks for peace, sudden destruction comes upon the world. But notice in verse 4, he says, Ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of the light, the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken, are drunken in the night. And so this gives the testimony. We don't know when he's coming back, but we are to be always watchful, always mindful, always expectant, always ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now that takes us back to our parable. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 25. And I want to, to give some thoughts tonight and some or this morning and some challenges to us here today from this parable. The first thought that we'll look at is the slumbering when Christ returns. Matthew 25 and verse number 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. We spoke of this as professing Christendom. I believe there is a difference between professing Christ and possessing Christ. You see, to profess Christ doesn't save one. It's to possess Christ. It's to know Christ. It's to be born again. Many people are 18 inches away from heaven. They know about Christ. They know about God, but they don't know Christ. They don't know Him personally. Now, in this parable, we have five wise virgins uh, representing the truly saved, and we have five foolish virgins professing, but they're lost. And within churches, within Christianity... Jesus gave another parable of the wheat and the tares. And the wheat and the tares grow up. They look very similar. They're very hard to distinguish the difference between the two until it comes fruit-producing time. Now, Matthew 25 and verse 5, it reads, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, both the wise and the foolish. I think this indicates disobedience because in Matthew 24, Jesus said, Watch, for you know not what hour your Lord doth return. And we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Let us who are of the day watch and be sober. They that sleep, sleep in the night. And it's evident here in this parable, when the bridegroom returned, they were all sleeping. They were unprepared in that sense. And it seems that most of the world and most of Christianity is going to be caught off guard when Jesus comes back again, uh, surprised and sleeping when Jesus returns. And I, I just wonder how many are truly living today as if this may be the day that Jesus returns. How many people, I would ask you tonight or this morning, uh, are you expecting the return of Christ? Are you living watchful? Are you ready for Christ to come back again? And so I, I believe we have here an indication of uh, disobedience. We're commanded to watch. We're commanded to be sober. We're commanded to be ready. But they all slumbered and they slept. I think it indicates also assimilation. When the bridegroom returned, there was little distinction between the wise and the unwise. You see, outwardly, both were sleeping. Outwardly, both had the lamps. And it was difficult to discern between the two. And it seems when Jesus comes back again that many who are saved, the wise, will look and act similarly to the lost around them. Little distinction. Uh, there will also be many professing Christians. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Uh, they carry a lamp. They indicate they profess to be Christians, but they're lost and they know not the power of salvation or the power of the new birth between uh, or with the Lord. And it's hard to distinguish between the two. We can't see the heart. I don't know your heart. You don't know my heart. Uh, we might be carrying the lamp, but we don't know each other. We don't know who truly is genuinely born again and who is not. And so at the return of Christ, it's evident here, uh, it's hard to distinguish. There's the assimilation between the two. 
I, I think it also indicates, as we read this parable, an indifference. It is to slumber. It's to be asleep. And I look at our world today, and I look at Christianity today, and the world is essentially asleep concerning the things of the Lord and spirituality and the return of Jesus Christ. Pay close attention to me this morning. If we believe that heaven is real, and it is, and if we believe that hell is real, and it is, and if we believe that Jesus is coming again, and he is, and if we believe that we will stand before him to give an account of our lives, that ought to fire us up. That ought to cause us to want to seek to live holy lives, to surrender our lives as a living sacrifice to a holy Jesus, to do all that we can to bring others to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mr. White O. Moody that once stated, the world is yet to see what God could do through one man completely surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think as we study the life of Paul the Apostle, he came about as close as anybody. At the end of his life, he was able to say, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. He was able to say, I am free from the blood of all men. Paul could say, there's not a person that can point at me and say, Paul, you failed to warn me. You failed to tell me. Uh, Paul was on fire for the Lord. He was completely dedicated to the Lord. And that's what we ought to be as we await the return of Jesus Christ. I believe the fact that they slumbered and slept would indicate worldliness. To slumber is to be identified uh, with the world, to, uh, to be entangled with the things of the world. And it seems that many, even who know Christ, at the return of Christ are going to be uh, focused materially rather than on the Lord. They'll be focused upon the pleasures of this life, the fleshly, selfish focus when Jesus returns. Kind of like Demas, who Paul said, he's forsaken me, having loved this present world. I want you to go and keep your place in Matthew chapter 25, but go with me to the book of 1 John. Not the Gospel of John, but the Epistle of John, 1 John chapter number 2. And it sure appears that many will be ashamed when Jesus comes back. In 1 John chapter 2, verse number 28, here's the statement. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love is, you move into chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What a privilege to be saved. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Friend, I don't want to be ashamed when Jesus comes back again. I think that's pictured here by the slumbering when Christ returns. Now go back with me to Matthew chapter 25. I'll see here in this parable the separation when Christ returns. Now there is a distinction between the saved and the lost. 
And I want you to follow this as we compare Scripture with Scripture. Matthew 25, verse number 2. It reads, of these virgins, five of them were wise and five were foolish. There was no in-between. What distinguished? What was the distinction? They that were foolish took their lamps, but notice the statements, took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. See, the difference was the oil. And in the Bible, the oil represents the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want to compare Scripture with Scripture and show you what the Bible speaks of. Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Keep your place, Matthew 25. Let us go to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3. We know the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a very religious man, very moral man. We read of Nicodemus in verse 2, The same came to Jesus by night, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus goes right to the issue. Jesus answered, said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, that's the physical birth and the spiritual birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, the physical birth is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, the spiritual birth is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, canst not tell. Whence it cometh, whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, Titus chapter 3 verse 5 puts it this way, It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy that He saved us by the washing, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. If you go forward to John chapter 14, here's the promise that Jesus gave as he would go away. In John 14, verse number 26, he says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Uh, the Lord said he would give us the gift of his Holy Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, the Bible speaks that the moment you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit to promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. In other words, the moment an individual comes to Christ, receives the gift of the new birth, a miracle that God does within the heart, God gives to that child of His the, the miracle, the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells within us. Go to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to prove this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse number 14, it reads, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So there is the saved, the natural, or the lost, the natural man, the saved, the spiritual man. And it's two different frequencies. Without the Spirit of God dwelling within a heart, 
one does not know Jesus Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's this wonderful promise. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, you are not your own? You are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. The Bible teaches of a child of God that they are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Go back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And uh, again, this is expressed for us. In Romans 8, verse number 8. It reads, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Understand something, that until you're born again, you are spiritually dead. You have no power, no ability to please God. Uh, You're dead spiritually. Your flesh cannot please the Lord. He says in verse number 9, You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. In verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage against a sphere, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so here is the Bible teaching that the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive the oil. You receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. It's a new birth. It's a miracle. A lost person may look the part. They may carry the lamp. They may be in church. But if they're not born again, there's no oil in the lamp. A saved person possesses God's Spirit. It's a gift that is given to a child of God's at the very point of salvation and that gift becomes the earnest, the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That's the distinction between the saved and the lost. It's the oil, the Spirit of God that dwells within the heart of every true child of God. Go back with me to Matthew 25. We spoke about this separation. It's a separation between the saved and the lost. Again, I I want to read this section of Scripture. Verse 5. It reads, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Now, a couple of thoughts here. Each person has to come to Christ on their own. Nobody else can buy your salvation for you. Nobody else can give you oil. Your parents can't get you to heaven. Your friends can't get you to heaven. Your preacher can't get you to heaven. Your church can't get you to heaven. Now the church should point the way to Jesus. The preacher should point the way to Jesus. The parents and friends should point the way to Jesus. But ultimately, every person has to come to Christ on their own. Now at the point of death, Or 
or at the return of Jesus Christ, religion, baptism, good works, church membership, they may flicker like a wick for a moment of time, but they falter because there's no oil. There's no reality of salvation. In 25, uh, chapter 25, verse number 10, it reads, While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. See, there's only one place this morning to get this oil. and The place to get this oil is to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid the debt, he paid it already, and it is free to all that will come humbly to him. And I want to challenge this morning, don't allow pride to stop you from knowing Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches so clearly that if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He would exalt us, but if we exalt ourselves, that He would abase us. And we have here five foolish virgins that for some reason never came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. There's only one place to get this oil. And that's in Jesus. He's the door. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. We sang this morning, whosoever surely meaneth me. Uh, Isaiah 55, verse number 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, that ye, may, uh, ye that hath no money, come buy and eat. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Friend, this morning, please, please, please don't wait till the midnight cry to get this right. Don't wait till that point of death when it's too late. Don't wait to the trumpet sound to settle your soul's business with Jesus Christ. So we have here the separation when Christ comes. The saved and the lost divided. Only two kinds of people. The wise, the foolish, the saved, the lost. Those going to heaven those going to hell. There's no in between. It's not based upon how good you are, how religious you are, what your lamp looks like. See, does the oil exist in the heart? Are you born again? Now, as we read through this parable back in Matthew 25, there's the sadness when Christ returned. It's evident many of the lost expected to go in. They assumed or presumed that they were okay. They couldn't see the difference in themselves and the saved. After all, they had the lamp. They presumed upon His grace. They failed to see there was only one door, and that door is the Lord Jesus Christ. But alas, that door was shut. Look in Matthew 25 and verse 11. It says, Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. See, death forever closes the door for salvation. 
After the last breath upon this life, there's no hope in eternity for an individual who's never received Jesus Christ. There's no more opportunity to purchase the oil. But when the rapture takes place, there will be the separation between the saved and the lost. The saved will be removed. The lost will be left behind to enter into tribulation. And so we close this parable with this thought in verse number 13. He says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now how can you watch? Uh, you are to watch through the Lord Jesus Christ in a relationship with the Lord. Go back in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Point out a couple of things here. Matthew 7 verse 13. It reads, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Again, how do we find that gate? How do we find that door? It's Jesus Christ. It's paid for. The debt has been paid. I want you to go down to chapter 7 and verse number 21. And I think this is very similar to the thought in Matthew chapter 25. It reads, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And Jesus described the will of the Father in the gospel of John as that you believe on the name of his Son. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name have done many wonderful works. We've got a lamp professing. And then will I profess unto them, and I want you to see, this is a very important word here. I never knew you. Friend, we're not talking about somebody that had it and lost it. That's impossible. You can never have that oil be taken away from you. It was a gift. You were saved by grace. You're kept by the grace of God. Paul the Apostle said, I know whom I believe in. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. No, friend, we're talking about some that never had the oil, never had a new birth, never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, I never knew you. They had the lamp. They professed Christianity. They looked not much different. They had the uh, wicks in the lamp. Uh, they all slumbered. They all slept. But here was a group that never possessed the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Oh, how sad. So close, and yet so far. Knowledgeable, but lost. And this has been on my heart for so long. I'm going to stand before the Lord as a pastor. I'm going to give an account for Valley Bible Baptist Church. I don't want anybody to be able to say, Preacher, you never told me. And I'm telling you now, 
The only way you can go to heaven is you've got to be born again. You've got to know Jesus. You're not good enough for it. You're a sinful being. There's no amount of goodness or religion that will get you to heaven. doesn't matter how much you know in your head. Do you know Jesus in your heart? Have you come humbly before the Savior? Have you come humbly to receive that gift of eternal life? That gift of Jesus. And here's the wonderful, beautiful thing. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But the moment we come to trust Jesus Christ, we are born of the Spirit of God. God works a miracle in our life. And at that moment, we receive that gift. And that's the oil in the lamp. And when that oil is present at that midnight cry, <laughs> that lamp is trimmed and burning ready to go to be with Jesus Christ. When that oil is present and if the Lord tarries is coming, every one of us are going to take our last breath here upon this earth. If that oil is present, we take this last breath upon this earth, but that oil present, we know the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible teaches that he will take us into the presence of the Lord. He's prepared a table before us. We go to that marriage supper of the Lamb, what joy that will be. Jesus is coming again. There will be a midnight cry. Do you have oil? Are you ready? Are you born again? Does God's Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you're His child? Is it real to you? And if so, I would ask you this morning, are you slumbering as a child of God? Or are you actively serving the Lord Jesus and ready and prepared and unashamed when Jesus comes back again? And I'm thoroughly convinced many have the oil, but they'll be ashamed when Jesus comes back. Are you sold out, serving the Lord, lamps burning bright for Jesus. I'd like for a moment, every head bowed, every eye